Listening to Prime by Cortex, a podcast where we sit down to talk about the system or interview creator studio writers. JT and I are going to talk about the affiliation tree set and Prime sets in general today. But before we do, we have a shout out we'd love to give for one of our sister podcasts this week. Yes, so our featured podcast of the week is the What Comes After podcast, and that's a uh, Genesis actual play. And it takes place in the Northeast United States, uh, where the world as we know it ended in the mid-1980s, when billions of people died at once. The podcast takes place five years later, as four survivors discover that everything is about to change again. If, if I'm not mistaken, Kirby, I, you know, I've listened to some of it, and you know, they're kind of vague, at least at the beginning, on uh, how you know, the uh, apocalypse happened and stuff like that. So there's a lot of you know, mystery with that, so that'll keep people wondering a bit. I actually think that Genesis works really well for post-apocalyptic just because I feel like a lot of the action in post-apocalyptic is sort of like interpersonal. And if you do have combat, a lot of times it can be kind of cinematic in most of the examples I can think of. So, yeah, for those who are unfamiliar, Genesis RPG is another toolbox system, basically. And so it's also very narratively driven. I would say it's a little bit more crunchier than Cortex out the box. And I I would definitely agree. Um, It lends well to sci-fi. It lends well to post-apocalyptic settings, like you said. It really lends well to just any setting that's wanting to do like a cinematic, like action adventure type thing, I feel. I guess of the week, what comes after? You can listen to them and many other great podcasts on the D20 radio network. But yeah, so why don't we dive into our uh, topic this week, which is uh, affiliations and prime sets. Yeah, so let's talk about affiliations, and we'll get into prime sets a little bit later on in the episode. So affiliations are useful for games where you don't really care about the character's inherent ability at being like strong and powerful or uh, hyper-intelligence necessarily. It's a good substitute for attributes, and what affiliations really refer to is contextual situations, like being in certain environments or dealing with certain like societal structures or circumstances. And so, what the book recommends uh, as possible examples are solo, buddy, and team. Which, if that sounds familiar to you, uh, it may be if you played the Marvel heroic role-playing game. Another example that they give would be the clergy, nobility, and commons if you were doing sort of like medieval setting where we kind of focus in on the three estates. Yeah, I, I, I like exactly how you uh, described it, which is that basically it tells you how good characters are at acting within a certain context. So like in the example that you gave for the Marvel heroic, you know, whether they work better alone or as like a as a buddy group or as like a full fledged group, you know, that is like Batman and then Batman and Robin and then Batman with the justice league. And so I, I would imagine that Batman generally prefers working alone or when he does work with someone else, he tends to work in smaller groups like Batman and Robin or Batman and Superman. But then he also does, you know, stuff with the justice league for like really big, like world shattering threats and other stuff like that. 
a lot of the time. So, but I, I do imagine that we'd probably see him be a little bit better at interacting by himself rather than with a larger group. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. I think Batman is a good example of someone who I would actually venture to say, depending on how you're setting up your game, Batman might actually have a better buddy die if you're trying to partner him up with like Robin. A good example of a hero that probably has a big like uh, D10 affiliation die would probably be Wolverine. Uh, Wolverine definitely loves just going off by themselves as solo. So what does that look like in gameplay for this specific set of traits is your die size tells you how well they handle those situations, right? And so Wolverine just works better by himself. He, one, thinks so, but then it's also backed up by the traits. And so when you have a D10 in something, you're kind of like advantaged at that. You're really good at that situation, whereas like a D6, you're you're not great. You're going to run into more trouble as such. And so what we kind of see with these affiliation traits is that, um, and this is actually the reason why I like them a lot, uh, is that you'll start to see players being influenced by this, especially since they're trying to like leverage for the best dice um, in most situations, right? And so if you have a player who has a D10 solo die and you know, you're running a horror game, like I'm writing a horror game, uh, hopefully for the creator studio, uh, then you know, you'll have that moment where uh, because this player has a D10 solo die, they're going to go off by themselves. And that might be what you're looking for in your game. Uh, it might not pan out for your game, but as you can see, you can use affiliations uh, for different sort of circumstances. Yeah, I, I like how you mentioned that. It can, besides being descriptive, it can also be pers- prescriptive in a little bit. Like someone who works better alone will probably want to seek out opportunities to act alone instead of like with a big group of people. Which, depending, again, like you were saying, on how you run the game, maybe you don't want people going off in different directions, or you know, maybe that's your shtick or whatever. Yeah, it just all depends on how you run it, I think. And so what Buddy means in this context is you are with one other PC uh, doing stuff together, or maybe they have like radio comms open up with you, and so they're talking you through something. That would be a Buddy situation, and then the team would be similar, just three or more characters are in the scene together trying to do something. What other situations can you think of JT that might be pretty apt for affiliations? Man, I mean, so basically any time where, again, context is going to be important for how well they're acting. Like I could imagine like a high school drama type game and you could totally have like how you relate to all the different cliques. You know, I think that would be pretty cool. So you would have like, you know, goths, could be like one affiliation and then jocks, you know, uh, uh, nerds maybe, or like band members, even uh, preps, you know. So you could have all of these different, you know, cliques and factions within high school and then just have it about the different like drama that goes on between all these different groups and struggling in the uh, social hierarchy in high school, which I'd, I don't know if I've ever seen an RPG quite like that. So maybe I need to write that up now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I was I was about to say that <laughs> sounds like an awesome idea because oh man, I'm just thinking of those stories where you have that kid who 
you know, maybe belongs to the gods, but they're trying to change for whatever reason for the story. And so they ha- they're they trying to become more of a jock, maybe. Let's go with that example. And so, you know, they might be terrible at uh, working with jocks. They might have a D6 with it, right? And so you can kind of see, like, the sort of drama and trouble that will come up because, you know, if you have a smaller die, you're more likely to roll that hitch, right? Uh, so, yeah, I really like that idea. I was I was not expecting that idea. Oh, what are you saying? That I don't have good ideas, Kirby? Jeez. Yeah, that's... Oof. <laughs> um, we're we're going to go off air for a few months here. Um, <laughs> no, I yeah. forgive you. Uh, I, I think to also like phrase it another way, and this is also like a good way to kind of highlight what you want to focus on in your games by picking the situations that get these dice right. So you mentioned doing different clicks. Well, what if we just had a very more broad stroke where we had a, a parents affiliation, a teachers of uh, teachers and faculty affiliation than um, peers, which would be other students that would tell a different story, right? Or potentially tell a different story. If you went with that sort of uh, affiliation set uh, versus clicks, which would really like hone in on just the student experience and trying to fit in with others. Yeah, if you did something more broadly like that, like basically affiliations can help frame sort of the context of the game. Uh, you know, as we've been talking about. So like something with like a parents, teachers and peers affiliation would mean that you're going to see some interactions and narratives that include all three of those groups at some point in time during the game. So like maybe there would be like, I don't I don't know, there could be some situation where something's going on with the students. So then parents get concerned and then they're sort of like ragging on the teachers to do something about, I don't know. But uh, basically what I'm imagining is that you would have some sort of big thing that where all three would sort of be interacting in different ways with each other. Yeah. And this is probably a trait set that you're going to have as kind of like fixed positions potentially, right? Where, you know, if you improve your jock die from a D6 to a D8, that means you have to step something else down. So maybe you step down your goth from a D10 to a D8, right? Right. But you know what this is actually making me think of now that we're talking about this uh, kind of teenage setting here? Uh, it's actually reminding me of the game uh, Mass, A New Generation. Yes, Uh, that's a Powered by the Apocalypse game, uh, which is really kind of um, it's the type of superhero game that you want to run if you want more of a Teen Titans type thing. It's a game where you're playing as a teenager or a young adult superhero who is perhaps new to this whole thing. And your stats are emotions, right? You have anger. It's been a while since I played it, but you you basically have all these different emotions. And if you're translating that to Cortex, um, one way to do that would actually just be using affiliations. That's literally one of the ways that affiliations could be leveraged. Um, How well do you uh, handle yourself when you're angry or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, that's actually kind of out of the box, but I like it a lot. Yeah, because it's all about context. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a group of people even, you know, like we talked about, you know, you could do like solo buddy and group, you know, which is a bit different. But yeah, you could totally use uh, contexts of emotions. You could, I'm trying to think of other types of contexts you could do besides like people and. Mm. Uh, well, I actually did a one shot not too long ago. It's a bit of a dumb one shot. 
basically took Vampire the Masquerade, uh, which is his own tabletop RPG. You know, I've been running, slowly running through the storyline uh, with my regular group of players. And we decided that we wanted to do another one shot to continue that story. And it had been a few months. And I had been watching Fast and Furious and had the dumbest idea to do uh, a sort of Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift meets Vampire the Masquerade. And I had to actually use uh, affiliations for that game. So I basically used the affiliations Fast, Furious, and Drift. Very much inspired by the idea of like Honey Heist, that one page like RPG where you're a criminal bear and you have two stats, which is criminal and bear, right? So basically those affiliations came into play every time. It was one of my prime sets, which we're about to talk about that here in a second. Uh, essentially, you would roll fast if you were in a sort of quote unquote high octane situation where things were like picking up or have already picked up. And, you know, you don't you don't actually need to be in a car for this. You could have been on foot and you might be in a quote unquote fast situation. Uh, you would roll furious if you were kind of getting aggressive. So this would be like bumping up against another car or perhaps in a social situation. You were maybe trying to intimidate someone or maybe you were in a fist fight or shootout with somebody. And then Drift was more of a uh, you're trying to maintain control or gain control of the situation. And so this is obviously for like if you're trying to drift your car around the corner, uh, the big the big deal there is not necessarily speed or being furious with another character or another car. It was more about getting and maintaining control of your car as you drift around the corner. And you could kind of uh, apply this to normal situations where the guns aren't out. So it's not a fast situation and no one's punching each other. So it's not a furious situation that that was my drift situation as it were, or if you were trying to deescalate some fighting, you would roll drift. And so that was my sort of silly and dumb affiliation set for vampire meets Tokyo Drift, right? And, uh, you know, to me, it didn't matter how well the characters could actually drive because it's Fast and Furious. Uh, you know, you're you're expected to have these high-octane situations and fancy streetcars. So why would I care about having a die that represents their driving skills? If you really wanted to still, like, lean into, oh, I'm a particularly good driver, uh, those players basically took a distinction saying as much that they're a good street uh street driver i know you uh called that a silly game but i think that's pretty freaking awesome personally um and yeah i think that just goes to show sort of uh how flexible affiliations can be as a trait set yeah i i think also it sort of shows off how cortex has a lot of different tools to be able to change the focus of the game and doing that with affiliations rather than skills is a really cool idea that takes the emphasis away from like, like which particular actions you're doing and more like uh, what the context is for using them. Like you were saying. And you know, that game encouraged players to lean into um, directing the narrative towards certain uh, situations, because you know, if, it's a drift situation where things are kind of slow moving uh, in control right now. Nothing crazy is happening. You have a player who sucks at drift because they have a D6 in drift. They're going to potentially want to change the situation up 
to maybe make it into a fast situation because maybe they have a D10 fast. And we kind of touched on this earlier with horror games or with the Marvel Heroics that uses like solo buddy and team. They're going to want to put themselves in positions where they can use their better die. And we see that all the time, regardless of the tabletop role-playing game, right? It could be D&D, it could be Pathfinder, it could be Genesis, whatever have you. You always have that player who's looking at their character sheet, thinking about how they can use their best skill. And the same thing happens with affiliations. It's just that affiliations are changing the context of the situation. Right. Now, Kirby, I was just thinking about this. Uh, What if you had like a hostage negotiation type game. And I imagine you could use affiliations to be like how well they work under different situations, like really stressful situations, for example, or like, or like maybe like if there is like a imminent threat of like violence or something like that, you know, Uh, you could have like some really cool things going on with that sort of thing where, it doesn't even need to be necessarily like purely action based. Like you don't need to be like going around and shooting guns or whatever, but you mm-hmm. could just sort of be like trying to talk someone down, you know, in a stressful situation, like a kidnapping or hostage crisis. And I, I feel like that would work really well for that sort of game. Oh yeah. I feel like that would probably slide in nicely with trace, which is when the uh, mini settings that comes with the handbook traces a sort of, Traces basically where you're playing as various components of like public services. So you have lawyers, paramedics, but you also have SWAT and police officers and such. And that's actually one of the games that uses uh, the affiliations. It doesn't use it quite that way because it uses, you know, solo partner and team uh, where, where I think they just renamed buddy. Right. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with actually having two affiliation sets within the same game that's actually what i'm doing for my horror game uh but i I can see that being like slotted in maybe even just for a session uh where you know it's an intense hostage situation yeah you know um when i came to this episode i was not exactly sure what i was going to say about affiliations just because while i sort of understood what affiliations were I didn't necessarily understand all of the versatile uses for them and like why you would choose to use that as opposed to like talking about, for example, like roles or relationships or what have you. Uh, But now I'm starting to see how it can slot in really well with those other uh, trait sets. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Like affiliations are good if you know what your game is going to be about. You mostly want to focus in on that. But before we kind of dive too deep into that uh, thread of thoughts. Let's actually talk about prime sets and what a prime set actually is and what it means to have affiliations as a prime set. Uh, So uh, JT, what are prime sets? Prime sets are basically trait sets that are required to be part of your dice pool for any given test. Um, So while you might have multiple different trait sets in your game, like you might have values, affiliations, powers, skills, what have you. You may only have a subset of those that would be considered prime sets. Like, you know, maybe if you had like affiliations and powers as the prime sets in a uh, superhero game or something. But yeah, so basically, you know, it, it is sort of just jargon in a sense, but it does have a particular meaning where it's just specifying a particular type of trait set 
where it's going to be in your role every time. Whereas other trait sets that aren't prime sets may apply in certain situations or they may be completely optional for a character to even take in the game. Like there might be only certain types of situations or characters that would use a trait set in a game. Right. And, you know, so like all prime sets are trait sets, but not all trait sets are prime sets is another way to phrase it. And every trait is um, umbrellaed under a trait set, right? Picking your what prime sets you're going to have for your game if you're not using uh, one that someone else's already written, right, is very important because you're you're essentially saying like this is what's important to the game, and it can change how one player behavior, which is what I've mostly been talking about with regards to affiliations, uh, affiliations really influences player behavior in my experience, but also touches on how you frame a scene or how you frame a single role. And so it, it can really change up a game uh, just by having the right like combination of prime sets. And so you're typically assumed to be using distinctions as a prime set, and then typically like two other trait sets uh, to use as prime sets. Um, I will say that, you know, distinctions, which we've talked about in another episode, it's just kind of assumed to just always be there. I've yet to see a Cortex Prime game that hasn't used distinctions, but I've definitely seen Prime. Uh, I've definitely seen Cortex Plus games that you know don't use distinctions as a prime set. So it's completely doable if you don't feel comfortable using distinctions as a prime set. Yeah, for sure. Although I I do think that distinctions just work so well in like almost any game that I'd be hard pressed to exclude them from any setting or like prime game that I would make. But you know, you do you exactly. Yeah. I mean, you might find that it's right for your game or you might find that your players are having trouble with picking a distinction to use. Right. Uh, which is a whole different conversation. How do you go about thinking about like what you want to use for a prime set you know we talked about affiliations here and you know the difference between having affiliations as just a trait set versus having it as a prime set i think is huge right it's one thing to have as a regular trait set for jt's hypothetical high school drama where you have to pick your friends and such and so that kind of says that yeah this is kind of important but maybe the players are kind of focused on different stuff. And this is just a thing that pops up occasionally. Like maybe it's a sort of, let's say, investigative, like supernatural, like high school drama thing. And so they're not always dealing with these different cliques. That would be an example of a time where affiliation is just kind of sitting there in your sheet. Whereas if you use affiliations as a prime set, you're basically saying that these are the situations that the game is centered around because a player always has to roll for that, right? And so any other situation that doesn't make sense, uh, that you can't perfectly slot in an affiliation, you might want to consider either rethinking your choice as a prime set if it's something that's like constantly coming up. It's like, well, these affiliations don't really work with what we're doing. Or you might want to just consider that maybe it's just something you don't roll for. Right. We see this in the example setting Hammerheads. Hammerheads knows what it's about. It, it doesn't use affiliations. But if Ladout tells you that, you know, you're not going to typically be rolling contests against GMCs because the whole point of Hammerheads is that it really mostly just cares about 
crisis um, intervention, right? Right. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a uh, good point. And I totally agree with what you said, that basically whatever you choose as prime sets are going to sort of, by necessity, change the focus of the game on those aspects of things. So like if, like you were saying, if you have a game that makes affiliations a prime set, then you're going to include an affiliation with every role. And that means that probably this game is going to focus very heavily on something like the high school drama clicks, like where it's going to just be drama between groups, like all the time, probably. Whereas, you know, if that's just one component of the game you're trying to run, like, yeah, sure, there can be some high school click drama, but, you know, we're also superheroes or something like that, then maybe you want to just make that a uh, trait set and not have it be a prime set so that you don't have to roll an affiliation every time. And as far as um, deciding which ones you want to include, one of my pieces of advice would be to think carefully about, like, how do you see this game panning out? Like, what are the sorts of things you want to see the characters doing and what sort of stories do you want to tell and can you think of a situation where one of those trait sets would not fit well for a test and then if you can you know think of a lot of those then you probably don't want to include it as a prime set like you were saying kirby yeah you know i I think we can kind of hammer out a sort of rough example of what we mean by this using the examples from the book. So if we imagine that we're doing, say, a Song of Ice and Fire, primed by Cortex, you know, the book has these suggestions, clergy, nobility, commons, which, you know, uh, that's basically still clergy, nobility, and then it'd probably be small folk for commons, right? Uh, Whatever the case is. Uh, So if it's a prime set, you can kind of imagine that's, to me, going to lean more into uh, all the folks that were basically walking through the gardens of betrayal uh, with one another and plotting and scheming. You know, uh, Cersei is going to probably have like a high nobility uh, affiliation traits, uh, probably like a D10. And she's constantly consorting with, uh, so all of her scenes are basically going to uh, be framed around her consorting with other nobles, right? Uh, whereas someone like Jon Snow uh, probably has a very high, like, commons die, D10. And so all of his traits are going to be him dealing with uh, people that would fit under that affiliation. Now, what's that look like when it's not a prime trait set? Is basically just. Um, that to me feels more of a, you're part of the night watch with Jon Snow and you're mostly out in the woods dealing with, uh, wildlings and, you know, the threats uh, beyond the wall. I'm not going to get too deep into that. And, uh, yeah, you're really only rolling affiliations when you're back at the wall, perhaps dealing with nobles who are visiting the wall or perhaps, uh, you know, uh, leaving the wall to plead with the other like nobles and clergy for more support at the wall. Yeah, yeah, that's a really cool example. You could even do like a night a Night's Watch game in and of itself that way, and you could have affiliations like the Wildlings, like you were saying, and the Night's Watch, and um, maybe nobles, like you said, or maybe like 
I don't know if you ended up including some other things like you have like giants or something even or I don't even know. That would be pretty cool. Although I have to say that I think that a good prime set for a Game of Thrones, a Song of Ice and Fire type game might be values. Just because uh, when I watch Game of Thrones or like when I'm reading it, everyone in that book has like some pretty clear motivations for like what drives their actions with like Cersei, for example, a lot of it tends to be like power. And also she's also very family oriented. So that could be another thing that she might have. That's pretty high. You have uh, some characters that are motivated highly by wealth like Brom. But yeah, so I I could see that being a prime set. Whereas um, maybe if you were doing a lot of social aspects of a song on ice and fire like if you're doing sort of like courtly intrigue type things or like you know like you're doing representatives from different houses you know trying to like politically outmaneuver other people then maybe that would make more sense to me but i probably wouldn't include it as a prime set necessarily for affiliations i feel like game of thrones probably isn't the best um isn't the best prime set for that. I could, uh, because you're, you're not going to have everyone who cares about like interacting with these different like factions. Right. Cause some of the main characters aren't even nobility. Right. Right. And so that, that's, that's an example of something that might like sit comfortably, uh, for that setting anyways, that's just a regular, um, trait set. But, you know, in terms of like prime sets in general, um, you know, a, another example is like relationships, we haven't talked about we haven't done a relationships episode. It's for sure going to have its own episode. But basically what relationships are, just to give a quick rundown, is uh, your ties with other characters, other PCs and GMCs. And so you have like the whole trait set is just a list of all these different people that you have relationships with. And also you can create a uh, relationship die as an asset um, just using plot points, right? But what does that look like when a relationship set is a prime set versus a non-prime set, right? You know, if it's a if it's a prime set, uh, relationships, you're essentially framing all your scenes or most of your scenes to encompass one of the relationships. If you're having relationships as a prime set, you can kind of think of it like all those dramas that you see on TV. You know, in this day and age, they don't have to be seen uh, going face to face with each other. They could be calling each other up and sometimes they do. Uh, but at the end of the day, like regardless of whatever they're trying to do, whether they're trying to research for some answer in the library or even just trying to battle. Right. Uh, you're, you're framing those scenes when it's a prime set in such a way that you're going to include at least one of those characters from that from that trace set. Uh, so that way people can lean in on it. That doesn't say they can't have like scenes where a uh, character is off by themselves, because I think that's where a lot of players kind of struggle the most with relationships. I think for those types of scenes, it just kind of circles back to maybe you just don't roll for those types of scenes or, um, you know, relationships are more flexible than needing to have someone physically there. A uh, person is still motivated to do the scene by themselves because of another character right and that's uh that's something we'll probably get more into the weeds for for um the actual like relationships episode but that's kind of a good example of prime uh prime set versus non-prime set we see it in hammerheads where there is a list of 
uh, relationships there, but you're not required to roll it every time you do anything in Hammerheads. Yeah, I thought that uh, Ga- Game of Thrones and relationships would be a really good pair, and I'm looking forward to uh, doing a relationships episode, and maybe we'll talk some more Game of Thrones with that, just because I mm. feel like that's a really good example of a franchise that would focus heavily on relationships for a lot of things, too. But yeah, so I mean, basically, what we've been getting at is that whether or not you include a certain trait set as a prime set is definitely going to change the uh, focus and feel of your game. So like we're talking about with affiliations, you know, you're going to have everything framed in particular contexts all the time. With relationships, there's going to be a lot of interpersonal like drama or a lot of like actions that are motivated by someone's feelings towards another person. If you include something like powers as a prime set, which I don't think any game that I know of does because there's just like not always an opportunity to use a power for everything. Uh, But like, if you were to do that, then it would have to be like a very, I I think Marvel heroics might've, I, I was actually trying to look at the uh, Marvel Heroics book the other day, which uh, again is a Cortex Plus book that's unfortunately like no longer in print. So I'm looking at my secondhand copy, and uh, they actually don't uh, specify prime sets, but um, prime sets wasn't like formally like named that way in the older Cortex games, but we see in the older Cortex games like Firefly, you always had the role and attribute plus a skill, right? Um, right. But I, I think I want to say Marvel Heroics possibly had um, powers as a prime set. I, I would be surprised. I mean, I'd never played it. And unfortunately, like you said, it's out of print and I never had the uh, fortune of getting a copy. I'm having a hard time just imagining how you could include a power for everything. Unless, of course, the entire game is going to be about like, you know, saving the day with your powers or fighting bad guys with your powers because all the other stuff, like the downtime and other things, uh, I can imagine it would be hard to incorporate powers for that. But uh, yeah, well, for Marvel Heroics, you either have what they call transition scenes or action scenes. It was very you do a transition scene to get to your next action scene. And tra- uh, transition scene doesn't necessarily like literally mean um, in transit to the next location. It could mean downtime and all that stuff. It's just, yeah, I'm not sure. If you want to uh, yell at us about what uh, Marvel Heroics actually did, uh, feel free to tweet at us. You're, you're more than welcome to. Cam's like listening to this episode, like pulling out his hair, being like, how do you guys not know about Marvel Heroic? I designed that and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, Cam's yeah. going to uh, hire us and then fire us uh, for that discretion, I think. There we go. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that, Cam. But, uh, you know, we'd love to have you back on the show again. You can tell us all about Marvel Heroic or whatever else you want. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I think that is pretty good in terms of an explanation about prime sets, Kirby. Unless you do you have any other final thoughts on that? I don't. I think for future trait set episodes, we can talk about what it means to have that trait as a prime set versus non-prime set. I think that's where we can have a lot of that discussion. We sort of touched on it for affiliations uh and relationships, but we can definitely talk about it more in the future. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I definitely agree. 
but yeah, I don't really have any other thoughts. So uh, maybe uh, you think we should move on to uh, listener questions? Yeah, let's do listener questions. So we actually have a listener, friend of the show, Sugi, uh, who asked us several questions on the uh, side here. We're going to answer them here on the air because I feel like they're all good questions. Sugi's just getting into Cortex Prime after having us on t- on his show. And uh, yeah, we are more than welcome. Uh, we are more than happy to answer some of these questions. Now, if you have a question for us, feel free to shoot it to us. It doesn't have to be about the episode um, that we are presently doing, as you're about to see. But uh, yeah, one of the questions that Sugi asks is, uh, "What's the our, what our trait sets in general, uh, which, you know, we, we talk about a lot and we've briefly addressed in this episode. Um, so everything on your character sheet is a trait, uh, but they're all going to be categorized. Uh, they're all going to be grouped together. So, you know, if you have an attributes trait set, that's going to be, say, your physical, social, mental, uh, all under one umbrella. And so have this mechanically pans out because it is mechanically important is you're allowed to take one die at no additional cost from a trait set. Uh, you can spend plot points you now you can spend plot points uh, in order to get more dice from that trait set. But yeah, that's what you're kind of looking at. Yeah. So I hope that helps Sugi. But then another question that Sugi asks is how do you exactly allocate dice to a trait? Um, JT, maybe you want to pick that one up. Yeah, so um, pretty much all of the examples I'm thinking of from the book generally take D8 as a starting point. Um, that's kind of a fairly average value for uh, most of the traits, considering that characters in Cortex generally start out fairly competent at whatever they're doing. Um, so you're not going to see usually like a lot of starting at like D4 or D6. It's kind of like right in the middle there at D8. Uh, and usually... Uh, trait sets try to be balanced. So if you do want to change it up, like if you decrease one trait in the trait set to a D6, like if you're using values and you have like honor, glory, power, what have you, you know, you could you could uh, decrease honor to D6 if you don't really care that much about having honor uh, in order to uh, increase your d8 to a d10 for glory or whatever if you're all about you know getting that glory for yourself this is what the book refers to as fixed steps uh you'll see that mentioned in terms of growing your character uh later on the book uh and you'll see that in the example like character creation process um which you know at the end of the day those are all suggestions right uh you know the book suggests doing affiliations centered on the d8 so you know you if you have three affiliations uh one's going to be uh they're all going to be d8s or one's going to be a d6 one's a d8 and one's a d10 as jt described but you know uh, those are all suggestions you can easily uh, especially if affiliations is not going to be a prime set center affiliations around perhaps a d6 die maybe you're playing a game where all the characters are new to the situations that you're putting under the affiliation trait set right yeah and so you know over a period of a few sessions maybe they can then bump up those affiliation dice yeah um for sure i think a follow-up to that was that uh he asked um 
can you not have two traits with the D6? And I think that the answer to that basically, based on what we said, was that you could, but generally you're going to want to have two D10s then, assuming that there are enough uh, traits in the trait set to accommodate that. And yeah, it is basically a starting point. So, you know, you decide on your own, you know, the exact balance you want to have there. Uh, they do recommend against doing D4s in general trait sets just because you're going to be rolling a lot of hitches and so that can create a, a lot of a lot of problems for the characters and depending on how often you want those sorts of uh, consequences and complications to uh, pop up uh, you may want to avoid going that low if possible yeah the tree set that normally has sad skills right um, I think that's the only tree set where there's like uh, we recommend maybe starting these as D4s to represent incompetent characters in certain situations or skills, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah skill, skills make sense just because, you know, if you're really bad at something, then, it, it and it also leads to hilarity sometimes, but, you know, like if you have Paladin trying to pick a lock, you know, they're probably not huge into those types of things, and they'll break a lock pick or they'll do something that alerts the guards on the other side that they're trying to pick the lock who knows but yeah so that makes sense to have those at d4 and then finally sugi had another questions which i feel resonates with a lot of players who are new to the game and uh, that's actually regarding distinctions like how do they work when do they factor into dice pools why do they factor into dice pools that sort of thing uh, to, to paraphrase them which, you know, we, we had a whole episode on distinctions, but we can definitely touch on this a little bit more. Uh, so, GT, you have any thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, we did touch about it a bit in the uh, distinctions episode, but, I mean, we can always sort of expand and clarify on that. And uh, we're always happy to take whatever questions the uh, listeners throw at us. So I, I would say that distinctions are basically a trait where you're showing important aspects that encapsulate like the spirit of your character. So these could be things like professions. They could be personality traits. They could be pretty much anything where there, there you think there will be a moment where you really want to be like, oh, you know, I'm not just, you know, good at shooting a bow. I'm like the best archer in the world. And, you know, that is going to mean that being an, the best archer in the world is going to be very important to your character. And you're probably going to see them doing a lot of like trick shots with arrows and stuff like that. And, and uh, you know, when they're doing anything fancy with a bow, you'll see them plugging that distinction in there probably. Yeah. So distinctions are basically a elevator pitch. We've talked about that before and you've just mentioned that. And so I think if you're, if you have a situation where a player is struggling to figure out, what distinction role because you know by default distinctions are a prime set there are a couple of things to kind of look at here so distinctions are always going to come into play as is like appropriate because you are inserts distinguished distinguishing traits you're rolling this die right and so um you'll have players who are new to the system who might struggle with this, especially if they don't particularly have like well-rounded distinctions uh, because maybe they just wrote all three of their distinctions to just be 
all about how they're just a extremely good fighter, never misses, uh, unparalleled swordman, and uh, say always shoots first, right? Uh, that's that's not really going to help them out if distinctions are a prime set and you know they're at a wedding party uh, where they have to give a best man speech and they have to roll distinction for that. They're not uh, they're not going to have an easy time answering that question. Now there is something to say about that because you know distinctions are a excellent way uh, to not only characterize the world, uh, the setting in itself, you know, if you have a player, if you have allowed the player to write down that they're the best, they're the best archer in the lands, uh, that's world building right there. Right. Uh, but then also, you know, you can always just ask your player why they're rolling always shoot first when they're giving a best man speech and they can talk about their kind of like history and um, kind of expand more on what that distinction means to them. It's a, it's a good um, fleshing out opportunity. And, you know, if all things uh, doesn't pan out or you or everyone just kind of feels like they're kind of stretching out a distinction, just take a D4 and get that plot point with the hinder special effect. Yeah, I uh, totally agree, and uh, that that definitely highlights the importance of distinctions being well-rounded. Because as a prime set, they're going to enter into like all of your roles pretty much without exception. Um, so you definitely want to choose things that can make sense in a lot of different situations, so you don't have to feel like you're pigeonholing or trying to really stretch it to make it work. Yeah. If you if you know you're you have players who are struggling uh, with like wrapping their heads around uh, some of these more abstract trait sets such as distinctions or such as affiliations, you can always just have them sitting on the sheet as non-prime sets uh, to include distinctions, right? Um, because Firefly did just fine without uh, without distinctions as a prime set. They have distinctions, uh, but they just sat on your sheet. Uh, so you can kind of do that. And, you know, when it comes to Cortex Prime or any Cortex game, you can always slot in or out trait sets as needed as the game is developing. Uh, and you can also um, just easily change up what's a prime set and what's not. So you can always uh, include distinctions as a prime set, uh, perhaps a couple sessions later after it's finally clicked. Yeah, totally. I mean, the world's your oyster when it comes to Cortex Prime. So, um, yeah. you know, it's your game and it's modular for a reason so that you can do what you want with it and make adjustments as needed, even if it's on the fly. Yeah. And I, I guess to kind of get ahead of the question of like, what do we mean by what's a well-rounded uh, distinction list? Uh, you're typically dealing with just three distinctions in a lot of Cortex games. Some Cortex games down the pipe, I believe, are working with more distinctions, and that's a choice. But, you know, a good way to do it is kind of what the book suggests. Uh, they don't suggest it out loud, but they do mention it. It says, to inspire role-playing, PCs have three distinctions that paint a clear picture of their background, personality, and role in the story. So you can require of your players, when they're writing their distinctions, to write 
a distinction that reflects their background. Maybe they're in debt. Maybe they're on the run. Maybe they have a, a twin brother. Uh, you can have them do the second distinction that's then uh, personality, and then you have a third distinction that just represents the role that they play either in the immediate crew of your players or just in society in large. A very popular thing to do is to have one or two distinctions that are just freeform. But, you know, if you're already like, if you already have players who are struggling with uh, how to use distinctions in their roles, you know, freeform may not be the best route to go for your particular game. Yeah, I think that's uh, really good advice. And uh, hopefully that helps everyone uh, when they're dealing with distinctions to sort of wrap their head around it better and understand how to apply them to their roles. So yeah, thank you so much, Sugi, for those questions. And I think that they were probably very useful for a lot of people who are just now getting into Cortex Prime since it came out. And a lot of people are asking similar questions. So it's good to be able to uh, sort of explain and clarify things for newcomers to the uh, system. That's about it for our show. We hope you enjoyed it. And hopefully uh, that has cleared up uh, some of the questions you may have about both affiliations and prime sets. As, as we did today, we're always uh, fans of hearing feedback and uh, questions from you. And, you know, there are a few ways that you can uh, get us those questions and feedback. Kirby, you want to talk about some of those? Yeah, so you can find us on most social media. You can hit us up on Facebook, which is just going to be facebook.com slash prime by cortex. We also have a Twitter, which is just at Prime by Cortex, one word. Uh, and you can also email us, uh, pbcpodcast at d20radio.com. And additionally, JT and I are just actively in the Discord. Uh, we are not moderators or administrators for said Cortex Prime community Discord, but you can find us there. And, you know, if you don't want to wait, a couple of weeks uh, for us to answer it. You can always ask the community there. They are more than happy to help you with any questions that you have about the game. And, you know, folks like uh, a lot of the staff and to include Cam Banks are super active on that Discord too. And we've included that Discord invite link in all of our uh, show notes. So yeah, feel free to hit us up uh, wherever you can find us. And uh, we'll try to answer your questions or take your suggestions as best as we can. Yeah, and uh, we would be remiss, actually, not to mention that uh, the D20 Radio Discord server is another place where you can find us. And we do get uh, some nice interactions and questions there. Um, so if you're looking to sort of connect with the network and you can even discuss some of the other shows on the podcast, too, if you listen to any of those... Uh, you can uh, go there. You can probably just search for it. Or if you go to the D20 Radio Facebook group, they have a link there. All right. I uh, think that about does it. Hope everyone has a great time with Cortex, and we'll see you next time. Adios. Adios.